10 Creative Side Hustles They Make Real Money, Part 2. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because you have so much to be grateful for. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and I hope you're practicing gratitude all year long, not just today, but Thanksgiving is one of my favorite times of the year, and our Thanksgiving tradition is actually a Friendsgiving with some friends that we met when we first moved to California in 2007. Our families have grown a bit over that time. The venues have changed. Actually, we're testing out a new venue this year in Puerto Vallarta, but the tradition remains. And one thing I'm grateful for outside of all the sentimental stuff is the endless stream of creative business ideas that come across my desk. I'm inspired by all the ways there are out there to make money. And that's what I want to dive into in today's show, a roundup of creative side hustle ideas that people have shared with me over the last year. And yes, if this sounds familiar, it's a retake on last year's Thanksgiving episode on 10 creative side hustles that make real money. That episode was a hit, so I'm returning to that format for another round. Some of these are going to have you kicking yourself for not thinking of it yourself. Some will make you say, shoot, I could do that. Some will have you saying, shoot, I didn't know that was a thing. And some of these are six-figure businesses you could literally start tomorrow. And if you have something like this, absolutely send it my way. Send me an email. Tag me on Facebook. I love this stuff. Creative side hustle number one is a business you might already have experience with, and that's the lemonade stand. Josh Lang runs Just Squeezed Juice. It's a seven-figure seasonal lemonade business that he started at 22 years old with one lemonade stand. Here's Josh explaining the origin story to Chris Reynolds on the Business Method podcast. You know, when I was a bartender, I was like, I might as well just figure out how to be my own bartender here and build a little cart and make fresh squeezed lemonade and make my own money. So in a way, I was creating my own job at the time. The way I looked at it was it's kind of like being a bartender. You know, I, I made it so that it looked like a little bar and I had a fresh squeezer and I made my own sugars. So I kind of just made it as cool as possible. So I was like using a shot glass and like putting two shots of sugar and then I would shake <laughs> it up. What was the very first festival that, or carnival or event that you worked at or that you had a stand at? When I started, I got a, a spot in downtown Santa Fe in the, the art district. I just had a cart in a spot, one spot cart, and that was that. I was making about a hundred bucks a day, which was, you know, looking back on it was not a lot of money. But at the time that was, that was replicating what I was making as a bartender, about a hundred bucks a night during my shift. So what happened was two weeks into it, one of my customers, this, this woman came up and said, wow, this is really great lemonade. I love the look of what you're doing here. And would you like to come to my festival? I'm in charge of hiring vendors. And I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was called Spanish Market in Santa Fe. Just It's an art market and uh, very still very popular. And I recruited my dad. So it was me and my dad. And we went out for the weekend and brought in 3,000 bucks. Nice. So I was like, wow. 100 bucks a day, $3,000 in a weekend. I'm done with the location. I'm going all in on festivals. And literally, I just head down and just applied to every show that I could from that point forward for the next 10 years, to be honest. I mean, just like going like a madman. 
Since then, Josh and Just Squeezed have sold lemonade at Woodstock, Bonnaroo, Coachella, Bottle Rock, and tons of other events and festivals. He went from $100 a day as a side hustle to selling over six figures of lemonade in a single day and growing an enduring business and brand. Here's one big takeaway I want to leave you with. Most businesses are operating off of people coming to them, and we go to the people. Where can you find your people? I loved Josh's story because it's an example of a simple business executed well. It goes to show you don't need a terribly innovative idea. You just need to do something well and find customers. Be sure to check out the full interview with Josh over at thebusinessmethod.com. This was episode 359 over there. And big thanks to host Chris Reynolds for pointing out Josh's business and letting me use those clips. I've linked that full episode up for you in the show notes for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash 363. Creative Side Hustle number two is a podcast, but it's not a business show. It's not an interview show. It's a podcast that's so intentionally boring, its goal is to put you to sleep. Hey, this is Drew Ackerman. I make Sleep With Me podcast, a, a podcast that helps uh, grown-ups fall asleep, a little bit like a goofy friend telling you a bedtime story. I started the show in 2013 just as something as an experiment of like, how, how come there aren't silly bedtime stories for grown-ups and would anybody listen? Would the idea even work? And one of the most effective things for me was setting quit dates uh, where I was like, okay, I would have a meeting every few months and say, do I want to keep making this podcast or not? And usually it was like, oh, of course I want to. You know, there's a few people listening or it helps uh, these people fall asleep. But in between those quit dates, it really helped uh, not silence my internal critic or the other parts of me that are kind of obstacles a lot of times for getting stuff done. But it helped me say, hey, let's just keep working on this until the next quit date because I just have this internal critic that's like, oh, this is a bad idea. This isn't working. This isn't successful. And I would give my critic full voice at those meetings. But in between the meetings, they'd say, hey, can we just save this for the next meeting? And that really helped me keep the podcast going over, I think, like three years is really where it started to finally gain momentum. The second thing I did was talk to my listeners about sharing the podcast and just ask them, hey, if you get value out of the show, just share your honest experience with that. And letting them know how incredibly powerful word of mouth is, because I don't think everybody knows that. Uh, and then thanking people when they did share the show. And so that's where a lot of uh, growth happened. And then after making the show for about uh, four years or so, or maybe three years, I started a Patreon. I tested out a merchant podcast merchandise, uh, affiliates, sponsors. And in 2017, so I started the podcast in 2013. In 2017, I would say the podcast became my side hustle. And I slowly started to use up my vacation at my day job and started to cut back my hours at my day job from uh, full time to three quarter time to eventually half time. And then in 2018, I was able to leave my day job as a librarian and work on my podcast to full time. And between Patreon, merchandise, uh, sponsorships, and a few other things like uh, affiliates and stuff like that, I'm able to do the podcast as a full-time job. 
pay for health insurance, put some money aside for retirement, very similar to what I would expect if I was like looking for a job. I've also been able to build up an emergency fund, a personal emergency fund and a business emergency fund because a lot of my goals around finances with the podcast are making sure the podcast is sustainable and high quality and delivered on a regular basis. But it started as something almost like a hobby, an experiment that I just kept going. I kept working at it and trying to make it a little bit better each time. Sleep With Me has over 800 hour-long episodes, almost 10,000 reviews in Apple Podcasts, and over 5,000 monthly patrons on Patreon. But you heard Drew, it wasn't an overnight success. It took years of consistently putting out the show, making it better, and figuring out a business model behind it that worked so it could turn into a full-time income for him. I like the idea of setting quit dates for some point in the future too, like Okay, I'm going to give myself this amount of time to move forward and not question it, and then we'll reevaluate in three months or six months. Big thanks to Drew for submitting that clip, and thank you to Mike McAllen for dragging Drew along to one of our local Bay Area Side Hustle Nation meetups and making the connection. And speaking of Apple Podcasts reviews or iTunes reviews, this isn't something I ask for much these days, but if you're finding value in the show, I would be extremely grateful if you could take a minute or two to drop in a review for me over there. I'm at 800-something reviews and would love to get to 1,000 as a nice little milestone. SideHustleNation.com slash iTunes will get you over there. And thank you so much for your support. Creative Side Hustle number three is doing local dog poop pickup. Could you really make $100 an hour picking up dog poop? A listener who asked to remain anonymous shared this low startup cost side hustle. After picking up after his own dog, he wondered if anybody else would pay for the service. So he went to Google and, sure enough, found other dog poop pickup businesses that were already out there. Undeterred by the competition, he began joining various local Facebook groups and advertising his service. In just a few months, he'd attracted 25 customers and has most of them set up on weekly retainer deals for $25 to $35 a week, depending on the size of the yard and how many dogs they have. He knocks all these yards out in about six hours, including drive time, one day a week, netting around $600 for his work or $100 an hour for picking up dog poop. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. According to the American Pet Products Association, Pet owners are on track to spend more than $6 billion, that's billion with a B, this year on grooming, walking, sitting, and related services. That doesn't even include veterinary services. So if the poop pickup business doesn't appeal to you, there's still plenty of opportunity in the pet industry, which leads me to creative side hustle number four, and that's the six-figure dog walking business. In the mid-1990s, Kristen Morrison started Woof Pet Sitting Service. She told MarketWatch.com, quote, I loved to walk and I love animals. To be able to combine the two was mind-blowing to me, end quote. By the early 2000s, she was making six figures a year walking dogs, but she was burning herself out in the process. She was working seven days a week, often up to 12 hours a day. That's when she made the shift from dog walker to owner of a dog walking company. That's subtle, but that's really important. She stopped walking the dogs herself and instead hired people to do that. It cut into her margins, of course, but instead she was able to focus on growth tasks like marketing and hiring. She said, quote, I thought my business is growing. I need to grow too. I need to be the captain of the ship on deck instead of being in the belly of the ship, end quote. Kristen was able to expand the business all while cutting back her working hours. After selling the company in 2013 for an undisclosed sum, Kristen now helps other people start their own pet-centered businesses at sixfigurepetbusinessacademy.com. To grow a client base in this space, she recommended Facebook ads, local Facebook groups, advertising on nextdoor.com, and establishing relationships with local vets and dog groomers, like complimentary services, right? And as far as pricing, she cautioned against starting out too low as it might make customers skeptical. Her advice was to check on competitors' pricing and aim for the middle. What do you think? I still see a ton of opportunity in the local service business arena. Creative side hustle number five is the seven-figure email newsletter business. And this is a business model I'm fascinated by, and perhaps the one that I'm most likely to start myself if I take on a new venture, the email newsletter business. Think about businesses like Help a Reporter, like The Skim, like The Hustle, and like Morning Brew. These are lean, mean, profit machines. In fact, Morning Brew, which provides a daily email roundup of business news, started in 2015 and by 2018 was a seven-figure business. More than a million people get their daily updates, expected to be over two million by the end of the year, from Morning Brew. Here's co-founder Alex Lieberman sitting down with Noah Kagan on the Noah Kagan Presents podcast on the origins of Morning Brew. Honestly, the hardest thing is actually realizing there's a newsletter to be created, as in like there's actually an appetite for it. I think email has become so sexy in the last few years that people just say they want to create email now. It's the same reason people have said that they want to go into video, which we saw that worked out for certain people. Or now, like obviously everyone's flocking to podcasts. And I think the first thing is 
actually asking yourself the question of, say you want to write a real estate newsletter for Austin, Texas, what is the appetite? Who are you writing for? Are you writing for like the real estate broker in Texas? Or are you writing for just like the renter who wants to know different properties that they can rent in Austin? You need to know who the audience is. You need to know that email is actually the best delivery mechanism for them because you can't just assume email is because everyone has email. Different audiences consume content in different ways. And then once you know that there is an appetite, then this is to me why it was the best thing to be my own consumer is I just wrote for myself. So if you're not writing for yourself, you should surround yourself with people that you are writing for. How do you know if you're writing something that people want or not? It's a great question. For me, the reason I think it was so intuitive is because I was my consumer. So it was like I had been reading the Wall Street Journal for 12 years straight. And then I was- Did you get it at your bar mitzvah? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Literally when I was 13. You got a subscription? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got like- Checks from my grandparents' friends, and then I get a subscription to the Wall Street Journal. Israeli bond, <laughs> and a subscription. Okay, so I was helping kids prep for job interviews, and I would ask them, "How do you keep up with the business world?" And every student would say, "I read the Wall Street Journal," and they would go on and on. But like the words coming out of their mouth, it literally felt like their soul was being pulled out of their body while they were saying this. I had a subscription to it. I like the Wall Street Journal, so I I enjoy it, but I think it just satisfies a different need. It's not like your roundup. It's like if you want analysis and things that you care deeply about, Wall Street Journal is always going to be there. But so these kids were all saying like, I don't love the Wall Street Journal. It's dense and my parents told me to do it. And to me, like this mismatch of these people want to have long careers in business, yet they don't have content that gets them excited about business. Like I thought there was opportunity there. And then at the time, I didn't think about it this way. But if you just think about how many media brands there are, and how few have actually built an audience that gives a shit about them. To me, that's the, where there is real opportunity. So say you use the example for real estate. I think real estate's really compelling. It's actually a sub-brand within business we think about all the time. Because if you were asked people who care about real estate what they read on a regular basis as it relates to local or national real estate, it's all these like multi-decade-old trade publications that are written by people that are in their 50s for people in their 50s, not for people that are going to run businesses in the next five to 10 years. Okay, so... When you put yours out, yep. how did you get your first hundred stories? How did you know that people actually wanted that news? There was no website at the time. It was a PDF that I attached to an email. I added the first 45 people, which were my family members and the kids that I was helping prep for interviews. And then what ended up happening was, again, there was no website. I started getting texts from people or emails from people saying, hey, I heard about your daily business roundup from so-and-so who subscribed to your listserv. Can you add me to your listserv? And so basically for four months straight, I was adding people by email to my Michigan listserv, and it grew to over a thousand people, it was impossible for them to sign up for the product. I honestly, I think partly got lucky in what I was creating. I didn't realize just how much pent up demand there was for something better. But then the fact that I kept getting hit up by people that I, some I knew, some I didn't know saying, sign me up for this. And I wish like the audience could see what it looked like because it, it was horrible. That was enough appetite in itself for me. So if I created something, I guess you just put, you kept putting it out there. That's yeah. the thing is that you were consistent and then you got strong feedback. Well, that's the thing. The great thing about email, I think, is just the fact that I was putting it out every day, even when I had 200 people on it, because it was like those 200 people were so engaged. I was getting 20 emails a day in response saying, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. So I think the fact that the feedback loop was so quick, I was the consumer of it. And also like all of the readers in the beginning were Michigan students. So it was everyone like around me in the business school. I just knew that if people like something, they're going to become your best evangelist and salesperson. I knew people clearly had to like this if other people were finding out. To me, there was so much opportunity because I just knew how bad the product was. But like clearly it was just good enough where people were liking it. I wasn't a good writer and I was just putting it together by myself. 
Again, I really like this model. Super lean to start up, your costs scale as your business grows, and you can find, like Alex has, a really engaged audience in your niche who starts to feel like they're one of the cool kids, like they're on the inside of this movement or shift and how they get their information and making something that's too good not to share, that viral growth at the beginning. Like other email newsletters, Morning Brew makes its money from advertising, which makes sense as a business email. It would be weird to have like a donation button, but definitely encourage you to check out the full episode with Alex and Noah over at okdork.com. And thanks to Noah for letting me air that clip. I'll link that up for you in the show notes for this episode as well at sidehustlenation.com slash 363-363. So as you may know, one of my experiments this year is an Amazon Alexa skill called the Money Making Minute. If you ask Alexa to enable the Money Making Minute as part of your flash briefing, you'll get 60-second money-making ideas five days a week. You may even hear some ideas from this episode on there as well. What I didn't know is that Alexa skills are kind of like apps in the App Store, meaning you can set a price and actually earn developer royalties on them. And that brings me to creative side hustle number six, the ambient noise Alexa skill. As a skill developer, you can set your own price and earn 70% of the revenue when users buy it. For example, software engineer Nick Schwab created a free ambient noise skill and now, per CNN has 10,000 paying customers for a premium subscription version of that skill that's priced between 99 cents and a buck 99 per month. That translates into at least a $7,000 a month side hustle. And combined with the Sleep With Me podcast illustrates that apparently there's big money in helping people fall asleep. Amazon has also got a reward program to encourage developers to build out this ecosystem of skills. Your rewards are based on the popularity and engagement of your skill. But some developers through that program report earning thousands of dollars a month. What kind of skill could you make? Hat tip to David Shore for sharing that one. Steve Barlow is a wildlife biologist, and his passion for wildlife dates to an early age. Growing up, his dad, who was a home builder, encouraged his passion, but also wanted to make sure Steve learned the construction trades, quote, as a fallback in case the biology stuff doesn't work out, end quote. So along with pursuing an advanced degree to be a biologist, Steve had also built several homes with his dad and learned, learned that trade, learned how to build. Where the side hustle comes into this story is how Steve has married those two skills into a pretty rewarding part-time business. And that's creative side hustle number seven, bigbathouses.com. These are physical structures that stand 12 plus feet off the ground and can house thousands of bats. Steve sells them at prices ranging from $2,500 to $4,000 a pop. And a little side hustle show trivia for you, bats are actually critical to many ecosystems around the world. They're pollinators, they help control insect populations, and they help spread the seeds of different plants. But the idea for big bat houses came actually from Steve's research in his professional biologist career. He found himself researching different bat houses, experimenting with different building materials, colors, sizes, techniques, placements, all that stuff. And he soon found out that bigger bat houses tended to work better and attract larger colonies of bats. So we started designing bigger and bigger bat houses. When Steve wrote in to share about his side hustle, he said that he also noticed that most wildlife biologists and park managers and park rangers had either no construction skills, or if they did, they didn't have the resources they would need to build a big bat house. So he thought, I need to design a bat house as large as possible, but not so large that it can't be shipped and easily installed. 
And those are often his target customers, park departments and municipalities. Around the same time, Steve transitioned from field work to an office job, a move he said left him lacking in fulfillment to a degree. So enter the side hustle. Now, as far as marketing these things, he attended trade shows and bat research conferences when his schedule and budget allowed. And Steve started out building the houses himself. But as he got more orders, he found a third-party construction company that could build them in their downtime. And I really like this side hustle because it's a great sweet spot example. And what I mean by that is combining a pair of different interests or skills to come up with a unique and profitable business. So far, Steve has sold bat houses to 58 cities in 19 states and two countries so far. And the business did around $50,000 in revenue last year, and it continues to grow. He told me that his goal was to intentionally house more wildlife than anyone in human history. Steve signed off with, quote, building houses just like my dad, just for a different market, end quote. Big thanks to Steve for letting me share that. And I shared this one not because I expect you to become a bat expert, but to get you thinking about what potential sweet spots you might have in your own life. Remember when Brian Orr combined his knowledge in heating, ventilation, and air conditioning with his love of podcasting to create HVAC School? That was episode 255, if you want to check it out. This is actually an idea I heard explained by Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, on the Tim Ferriss Show. He said, one way to come up with ideas is to look at areas of your life where you're better than average, like your top 50 percentile or 50th percentile, top 25%, even better, and then combine two or more of those into a sweet spot business. Of course, his example was drawing and being funny. Look, I'm not the best artist in the world, but I'm pretty good. I'm not the best comedian in the world, but I think I'm pretty funny. So he combined those to make Dilbert one of the most successful comic strips of all time. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host.
Creative side hustle number eight is what I'm calling the niche service provider directory. And this is something we touched on a little bit in episode 282 with Brent Lindenberg, who had built the directory for uh, food truck service providers. But is there an opportunity to create a helpful curated site in your niche or your industry? One interesting example I came across was Nick Edmondson's wanderingweddings.com. On the site, he and his wife, who are both wedding photographers themselves, so they knew the industry. So on the site, they highlight wedding photographers and other vendors that specialize in these adventurous, outdoor, private, modern elopement style weddings, he calls them. And they earn four to $6,000 a month in directory listing fees. Here's Nick on coming up with the idea. The more we shot these weddings, I wanted to submit them to publication somewhere. And at the time, there wasn't any company or blog out there that was accepting these type of sessions. They were, they were purely just beautiful locations and, and the couple and great photography. So being the entrepreneur that I am, I started a website. <laughs> Be the change you want to see in the world. Feel that need. What happens next? I started reaching out to photographers that I, I like their work and asking them, you know, hey, can I feature your elopement on our website? This is like 2017 timeframe? Yeah, early 2017 when we first started the blog. And then, you know, as we started blogging things, you know, outside of organic traffic, how do I get people to this to this website? How do I get people to see this work? So we started the social media channels, Instagram first, and then we kind of started this brand before I even had an idea of how I wanted to make money or if I wanted to make money doing this. I built this brand where we had thousands and thousands of people sharing their images with us. And we, we were a little overwhelmed on how we we're going to handle all this as like a, a thing on the side that I didn't really expect to be a big deal. I just wanted to showcase awesome work. Then we sat down and we're like, well, how do we make money doing this now that this is becoming more of a full-time gig? Yeah. Was it through Instagram where you were like already following these other photographers and, and that gave you kind of the initial audience of people to say, hey, I like your work. Can I feature you? Yeah. I mean, we did reach out to a few people from the get go, you know, being plugged in with the industry in this, you know, small elopement niche. I kind of knew some people that I wanted to feature. Yeah. And the more we did feature those people, they shared the work and they have, you know, thousands of followers that follow them, couples as well as other photographers. Okay. And it kind of grew like wildfire. It was, it was, it grew fast. And, uh, you know, we're, we were gaining on Instagram you know, 4,000 followers a week <laughs> and just like, we launched the the directory on our website first to make money where we have a people pay a small listing fee to have their business listed on our website. And as soon as we launched that and it became a thing and we promoted it, we had people submitting applications like crazy to be part of what we were, we were building because we had already built this following and this brand first. Do you have an estimate of the monthly revenue that the directory business is bringing in directly just from these monthly fees? At first, we did a month to month. You had to be on a monthly plan. And then we introduced, uh, you pay in full for a year and you get a little bit of a discount. So at, at first, the revenue was going up at a steady curve and we were doing between 4,000 and 6,000 a month. And then we introduced the pay in full and we have some months that, you know, it jumped up a little higher than that just because people were signing up and, and paying for their year in advance. And then obviously the next month, that person was still a member, but they didn't bill. Yeah. So there's, it was a month that was a little bit lower. Yeah, we're, we're between $4,000 and $6,000 a month recurring right now, which is, which is super good. Is there already a directory for your industry? Could you niche it down just a bit more like Nick did? 
I mean, this is the business model of the Yellow Pages. It's one that's worked for a long time, connecting businesses with customers. The challenging piece of it, and this is what Nick is focusing on right now, is building the demand side of his marketplace. How can he drive enough traffic to these vendors such that it's worth their while to be featured? I'll be back with the final two creative side hustles that make real money after this. When you're ready to take your skills and business to the next level, I encourage you to check out our sponsor, Skillshare.com, the online learning community with more than 28,000 online expert taught courses. But you don't have to take my word for it. Hey there, my name is Daniel Scott. I run a business called InstructorHQ.com, where I help people make their very first online course. And I'm sure like every other business owner, there's been a ton of skills I've had to learn along the way to make this work. And if you're like me and you prefer to grow your own knowledge rather than trying to outsource everything, Skillshare is being the perfect place. I pay my monthly fee and then I just binge watch a topic until I'm up and running. Currently, I'm leveling up on Facebook ad skills, which are easily paying back the time I've invested. I find the courses always well structured and I love that I get to ask the instructor questions. Skillshare is my kind of learning. Thank you, Skillshare. Side Hustle Show listeners can unlock two months of free unlimited access to this on-demand knowledge vault at Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle Show. That's Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle Show to check it out for free. Creative Side Hustle number nine is the niche productized service. Last month, I connected with Jeff Howell of LeaseRef.com, where he'll review your commercial lease for a low flat fee, or at least low compared to what a real estate attorney would charge. And in exchange for that flat fee, Jeff is going to give you a scorecard on some of the language in your lease to be aware of or any red flags that stand out. He's had tons of experience doing this in his professional career, but didn't see anyone offering a similar service online or at least in a compelling or easy to understand, easy to do business with type of way. Now, there are a few cool things about Jeff's business that I want to highlight, which has grown to over $7,000 a month all on the side without advertising. The first thing is that all traffic and sales, or almost all traffic and sales, come from content marketing and organic search. To come up with content ideas, he just looked at the commercial leases he was already familiar with and started writing articles about the common clauses or common sections in those. For example, he's got 5,500 words on the tenant improvement allowance. That way, he gets people finding his site who are probably pouring over this legal document and with Google in front of them and trying to make sense of it. By providing helpful, in-depth content, he builds trust, and a certain percentage of those visitors hire him for an expert third-party review. The second cool thing is that when he raised his prices, his conversions actually went up. For his customers, there was such thing as being too affordable. With price comes perceived expertise. And that brings me to the third thing, and that's with the right product or service, it might not actually take that many customers to make a meaningful income. And to be fair, this isn't passive income, and even Jeff admitted it's not the most exciting work in the world, but he's become really proficient at it and could potentially add team members to help with workload should the need arise down the road. Could you build a similar productized service in your industry or your niche? Creative side hustle number 10 is hosting in-person classes. We touched on this a little bit in our Airbnb experiences discussion in episode 347, where my guest Michelle had sold hundreds of guided meditation experiences at $50 a piece. We touched on this a little bit in episode 289 as well on after-school programs. And I think there's a lot of opportunity in this space, either under the umbrella of the, quote, experience economy, 
or in just teaching something you know to a local audience. One of my favorite examples of an in-person class side hustle that's done really well is Greg Wenderski of Austin, Texas. His email caught my attention with the subject line, I make Bronze Age swords with kids. Like, okay, I got to learn more about this. Greg is a former middle school science teacher who has turned sword casting from his side hustle into his main source of income. In his email, he said he was really inspired by the ancient civilizations teacher down the hall. She was really into the ancient Greeks and got all the kids excited about battle formations and classes of soldiers. So Greg thought it would be cool to show the kids how these weapons were made, how these Bronze Age swords were made. And the rest is history. Turns out kids of all ages are into molten metal. Today, Greg travels the country and teaches in-person sword casting classes for $90 and up per seat. And he sells some of his finished products over on his Etsy shop. You can check Greg out and see if there are any upcoming classes near you at swordcastingguy.com. Swordcastingguy.com. What kind of class could you teach? Could you tap into existing marketplaces like Airbnb maybe to get in front of customers? The Swordcasting Guy rounds out our list of 10 creative side hustles that make real money. Again, special Thanksgiving edition of the show. I am grateful for you tuning in today and each and every time you put a little side hustle show in your earbuds. Notes and links for this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash 363. Again, happy Thanksgiving if this is a holiday that you celebrate. Hope you're having a fun, safe, relaxing, and grateful day. And if not, just use this moment as an excuse to think of something that you are grateful for. Got it? Awesome. (laughs) That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show, where you'll meet the guy who's earned over $100,000 on the side selling 100-year-old material that's available to everyone for free. I'll see you then. Hustle on.